0: you everyone, and welcome back to The Pod and The Pendulum, the podcast that covers all horror movie franchises, one movie and one episode at a time. As always, I'm your host, Mike Snoonian, and I have a guest with us today, one of our many co-hosts jumping back in, like bravely jumping in for this one um there was some crickets when the call went out for what we're going to talk about today but joining us from Dread Central and the new uh the Losers Club and the new podcast Girls on the Boys uh we have Rachel Reeves Rachel how are we
1: Hey I'm here and um I had not seen this film before watching it for this podcast and now it's like, oh, maybe that was why nobody wanted to volunteer. So, I was
0: <laughs> I was going to say like, would your answer have changed if you had seen this already? Or you would have been like, ah, peace out. I got a garden. I got stuff to do today.
1: Yeah, maybe. But that's okay. I think that there is value and sometimes maybe things, you know, something isn't quite as great as the original. I think there's still value in mm-hmm. discussing it. So it's a good challenge, yeah. you know, to, to talk about some of these movies that maybe aren't quite, you know, top tier. So
0: so if listeners are asking, well, what are you talking about today? Because somehow you skipped over the episode <laughs> title. Um we are here to talk about Hell House LLC 2, the Abaddon Hotel, the follow-up to the 2016 found footage Hell House LLC, which I still think is one of the better, if not best, found footage films of the past 10 years. Really, really enjoyable. Uh, if you listen to that episode, you now we kind of talked about whether this movie or that movie needed to be turned into a franchise or if it would have been better off leaving well enough alone. So I guess, you know, and I guess we've tipped our hand a little bit (laughs) <laughs> As we go into our first impressions here, uh, but what are, like, Rachel, when did you first see this movie? Like, how many hours ago? And um, mm-hmm. what were your initial thoughts on it?
1: Okay, well, so the first one, I will say, the first one I watched not that long ago. It was kind of one that, I don't know, I mean, with a name like Hell House LLC, well, I Okay, I think I might have even confused it. There's another one that I actually don't even know what it's called, but it's about like like this guy like hires like basically like a haunt company to come to his house and like do a party sort of thing. Maybe it's like fear.com. Fear, I don't know. There's like another movie and I always confused it with this one. And then... I'm writing that premise
0: down, because I want to find that later. That sounds incredible.
1: Yeah, it's like, you know, like an experience. He like hires this company to come in and like do this... like Or like an escape room haunt, but like a personalized experience party kind of thing. And it ends up going horribly wrong, as one <laughs> might suspect. Um, and for some reason, I kind of... I, probably because of the business name in this, I always confused it with that. Whatever mm-hmm. that mystery movie is that we'll find out soon. Um, so I saw this kind of fairly recently the first one anyways and loved it it was like holy crap this is this is great and it was really creepy and i watched it the day before i was going to my friend's clown themed birthday party oh boy (laughs) so that was like extra like creepy timing and like just made it all the more enjoyable um but had not seen this one and so So my first question yeah (laughs)
0: why are you friends with someone who would throw a clown themed birthday party
1: listen the people who threw this party like i love them so dearly they're like huge fans of like him and his partner like they're huge fans of like shot on video like horror and that kind of stuff and just love really like kitschy funny kind of things like it's just i mean good 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 fun like they're just amazing people. And so that it just fits right in with everything else that they like.
0: (laughs) Was the clown party like spooky clown, funny clown, a mix of clowns? Like I have, do they all arrive in a tiny car? Like was that? We
1: went to there. We have like a local kind of arcade Chuck E. Cheese kind of place called Pojo's. And so we had it, we had the party there. So everybody like dressed up in really terrible clown costumes and Mm -hmm. yeah. And so went there and just played a bunch of like, You know, cheesy arcade games for tickets for crappy (laughs) prices.
0: Whenever I talk to you, you make Idaho sound 10 (laughs) times cooler than it probably is.
1: It's got its good things, some of the politics, not so much, but that's a whole other argument. But yeah, there's some fun stuff here outside of, yeah, outside of the Capitol building. (laughs)
0: Like a, a retro bar Arcade bar where you can throw clown themed parties and dress up sounds, um, that does sound amazing. That does sound like a fun time,
1: yeah. So that's that's always going to be my association with Hell House, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, the second one watched it last night, and uh, yeah, it's a movie,
0: it's a movie loosely
1: related to the first one, (laughs) yes,
0: yeah. I watched this when it first came up because I was excited, like, I talked last uh, as our co-hosts made fun of me for, for saying, like, I got to intro the world premiere and do a Q&A, and then they poked fun at me. Aww. And I'm like, yes, they did, gently, but that was yeah. okay. so And I really loved the first Hell House, mm-hmm. so I was excited. And this might be, I could be wrong, and, and listeners, feel free to, like, let us know if we're wrong here. I feel like this is the first original film that Shudder picked up. Oh, like in 2018, because the series was the the uh, service was still pretty fledgling. It had been out maybe a year or so, and it was mostly a repository for like classic horror movies and different genres. And it was like, obviously, like it was it's big. It's big selling point was like everything was like curated by people as opposed to an algorithm. Right. Like you had actual programmers coming in. And like, okay, we want to do ecological horror. Here are like 10 films that fit that bill. I feel like this was their first foray. Not that they produced the movie, but they purchased the movie uh, or purchased the rights to the movie for uh, streaming. So I feel like this was like a very, very early attempt at that. And I remember watching it and feeling disappointed in the movie. Not that it's terrible, but it did feel like a pretty big step down from the original in ways that we'll talk about um rewatching it for the show uh, I watched it I think 3 times in preparation oh, wow. for this like once right after watching the first movie like a few weeks ago then last weekend right after we recorded the first episode and then last night and my poor wife sat through the second half of this movie with me like watching it in bed, <laughs> wanting to watch anything else, having no idea like what was going on because like she has not seen the first one and was coming midway through this. Um and I remember watching it last night thinking like there are thousands of movies out there I've never seen yep. that I still need to get to in my pile that I'm excited to get to in my pile and i am watching hellhouse llc 2 at 10 p.m on a friday night the thing what am i doing with my You're,
1: LLC? i mean the things you do for podcasting right yeah. like you are a leading yeah. scholar now on like hellhouse yeah. llc what is it to the Ab- also this name i'm sorry this is like a band name from like the early 2000s or something with like this huge long i like name. it
0: Oh, oh, with the
1: hotel, yeah, Hell House LLC too, the Abaddon Hotel, and you will know us by the trail of bodies that lead down to the basement next to the clowns.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Oh man, I think that actually is a band. Um, I think you're right. Um, Explosions in the hotel. Um, (laughs) Yes. It is. It's a movie. It's and I I do remember like in preparation for the first movie where there is a lot more in the background there's a lot less on the back we're not even going to really do a background uh on this one because there just wasn't a lot to find but i remember like reading an interview with the writer director steven cognetti and he said like looking back on the trilogy he goes like the second movie is the one person's like tend to like the least and he he said, if I have a regret, and this is me paraphrasing, so I apologize if I get this wrong, that he felt it was a bit rushed. He yeah. could have taken some more time with it, fleshed it out a little bit more. And I think we see that here. So we'll give like an honest critique of the movie here. I will say like this is not going to be an hour of no. us no, no. ripping a movie to shreds. We'll give it an honest critique. And there are some bits that I really, really like yes. in this movie. And if it continued down the path, I would really enjoy it. Um, so if if you're looking for a movie that I absolutely trash, um, go back to our Rob Zombie Halloween episode uh, way back in the archives and even that movie I've like come around on where I'm like, this movie's actually really good mm-hmm. and I need to redo that at some point. So
1: I, I think it's I yeah. mean it's the sophomore slump, right? And especially mm-hmm. I think it's hard for any filmmaker, especially, you know, there's lots of people out there making films and there's a lot of people that are making films because they purely love making films and they don't expect mm-hmm. it to be like, of course they want it to do well and get a good audience, but they're not expecting it to be necessarily a marink or something, you know, or something like, yeah. or a Hell House LLC, which is that yeah. really hits and does really, really well. And then immediately people are like, well, we want another one. We want another one. We want another one. And so having to kind of like change your mindset and turn around and deliver something on a timeline that you weren't necessarily either prepared for or just kind of a different atmosphere like that's we've seen this time and time again with so many films so i don't think that it's necessarily a surprise to see something um what happens in this film it's not a surprise to me that it happened this way that's all
0: yeah and i remember when we talked about the first movie In doing research on it, like Stephen Cognetti had said, he originally had a lot more story in that first draft of his script, but it was way too long. Mm. There was too much going on. And he excised a fair chunk of it, which came the bones of part two and part three. And I think you especially see that here where you can see, okay, we see the bits that you're taking out. And there maybe was a reason they were taken out of the first movie. Yeah, um, I will say, like, you know, when we get to the third movie, I do think it's an improvement over this movie. Hmm. Um, and this movie does, in some very sly ways, like, set up the third movie without even really letting you know that that is happening. Gotcha. So, and I'll kind of point those out as we go along here. But let's get into it. We're going to kind of, like, give some of the beats of this movie here. Sure. And I just, you know, mentioned how... This movie sets up the third, like the opening title card, where it talks about the Wynn media group and how they've assembled this footage, but um, or Russell Wynn has assembled the footage, but it doesn't represent the view. Like what you would typically see in a director's commentary, like the views are the directors and the directors alone, they don't represent like universal pictures. Russell Wynn is the protagonist of the third movie. So you see... Uh, And he's mentioned a few times throughout this one. So already you can tell that in the back of Daddy's mind, he's like, I can set up another one based on a few little breadcrumbs here that aren't obvious until you actually watch the movie. Um, What did you think of the opening like Vignette with Mm. the mother talking about her son Jackson being lost in the hotel?
1: I mean, it's fine. I am not surprised. I didn't necessarily find that footage particularly <laughs> believable or scary. Mm-hmm. It kind of, it was my first, like, it was the first hat tip that I was like, oh, okay. All right. This is not necessarily going to be the same experience as the first one, yeah. you know? And so it, it, I guess in that way, <laughs> it was... Uh, um. What do they call him? It's like a harbinger for the rest of the film. Is that the person yeah. that like is, you know, at the gas station like, oh, don't go over there. You definitely don't want to go down that road like yeah. that. That. It, that's kind of what I took this for. Um, sure. But it does what I, I guess I kind of liked about it and what we see in the subsequent like few scenes is that it broadens the scope of Hell House a little bit like lets us know that there are others lets us know that this has been continuing to happen since the events of the first hell house, which is interesting because for all we know, it's, you know, still connected. I mean, it is connected obviously to the first ones, but it's happening to other people outside of that core group of people. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: and I think that's exactly what I like about this little scene and also like the first act of the movie and that it is about what has happened in the 9 years mm-hmm. since the incident that sparked the first movie and the 2 years like since the documentary uh, pseudo documentary was released on it. You are right. Like the acting in some of these scenes is a bit <laughs> it's not the best. Like yeah. it feels a bit ru- it feels very stagey. Yeah. Uh like almost sort of, like table reading like or playing almost like they're playing in a theater. Uh trying to, like, reach the back row as opposed to, like, being in front of a camera. Yeah. But I do think, like, the scares themselves, like, the... One of the things that really... It just creeped me out was when they show the text messages on the screen. Yeah. There's, like, come to the hotel right away. They're all in the dining room, and then it just keeps typing out they have no eyes over and over again. Those are the kind of things I find... Super unnerving, yeah. In a movie,
1: even like there's like a scene that's like flashback to like is it Jackson? Yeah, as a kid, mm-hmm. and I thought that was like kind of effective. I do have a problem with this film. I think a little bit in all these little like cut scene, fo- you know, footage that just gets put in and from other places in the movie. But we can talk about that more later. But that one mm. I thought was kind of interesting because yeah, creepy kids playing a yeah. melody and like just out Mm -hmm. of nowhere i didn't necessarily like how they're like oh and then you slow down the footage and you hear this voice like whisper it's like okay nobody heard that yeah um (laughs) i thought
0: yeah i thought that was a little bit try hardy yeah i thought like i i where that scene lost me is actually where you kind of like we're on the opposite ends of it (laughs) i didn't like the flashback (laughs) so much because i just felt like you're trying to Add a little bit like oh this little boy go is knows what's going to happen and we have to explain like we don't have to explain everything like the piano riff was just something that like Paul played it was yeah. creepy it was a nice little motif but now we have to ascribe some sort of like deeper meaning to it.
1: Well, and it's like it's an it was an interesting choice like I, I guess mm-hmm. I guess it was a choice I wasn't necessarily expecting because what it's yeah. implying is that this house has been like pulling at these people yeah. for decades which it's like oh okay so it's maybe not quite as random as I thought Mm -hmm. or not by as like chance and I do think that that contributes you know they they, um, explore that bit further as the film goes on so I see the reasoning there but I wasn't necessarily expecting it I guess not necessarily a huge fan of it but it was a choice I guess yeah and it's trying something
0: a little different like it is it's doing a little bit more than just trying to like recreate the first movie. So it is at least attempting some lore. And sometimes that can be fantastic. Like you want to dive, like with something like the Blair Witch Project, I've always wanted to dive. I've always really enjoyed all the lore, like the stuff with Rustin Parr and Ellie Mm Kendra and Kendra and just like going deeper and deeper into that. Uh, And sometimes it works really well. And sometimes It can be more like paranormal activity where like the more you know about it, the more you go into like the back background of the characters, the less scary it becomes. It just feels a little bit too random. Um, You do get another little cool moment, but it's something that this this movie relies on a lot, like the creepy hooded figure in the background. So you get like the uh, what I'll call like the Undertaker style pop up where Jackson's on the floor. He's like doing like the heather donahue like saying goodbye moment into the camera and like out of nowhere this like figure comes up behind him and you're going to get a lot of that in this movie like if that's something you enjoy this is like porn for for you basically because you get a lot of that here
1: it's yeah the hooded cloaked figure and like i say all right listen like i my husband and i have made music videos and stuff like horror themed like music videos and stuff and we've used hooded cloaked figures and you want to know why because it's a lot cheaper than makeup and uh, prosthetics and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so like I get why they used it in this film Um, it's also like and like yeah there's this whole like cult aspect that they talk about I just thought it was a little cheesy sorry And like the way they just kind of pop up in the background a little bit. It's, it feels a little, I don't know,
0: cheap. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you do get, and it it goes away as the movie goes on, which is because I really liked this little aspect of it. Like the movie starts and then a few times in the first act, it will cut to the room that we see at the end of Hell House, like the room that Sarah was in. And you just get that kind of like skewed perspective of it. Uh, which I kind of dug, but then as the movie goes on, it moves more and more away from using that shot. And then you get the first hint that this structure of the movie is going to be a little bit different, uh, where it cuts to like a talk show, and you have like a very, very local (laughs) television-style, like early morning talk show, where they're like the the topic of the day, and the topic of this show is going to be on the Abaddon Hotel and you have like your three guests. You have like Brock Davies, who is the local psychic because you always need to have a local psychic. You have, um, I'm just going to call him Andrew Tully, like the uh, spoiler alert, Andrew Tully, the cult leader who you don't know, or I think Arnold Tasselman, yes. I think is what he's going by in this. And then you have Mitchell who it's not obvious, but he is the, Editor of the documentary crew in the first Hell House movie. He's the person that stays behind when the two documentarians like go back to the Abaddon and disappear there. And they're debating, and it's the first kind of hint that the structure of this one is going to be a little bit different. It's not going to be that pseudo documentary talking heads what happened. It does just feel like a lot of assembled footage. That's kinda randomly put together into a story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that that morning show. First off, it's a morning show. (laughs) It's called what Mm -hmm. is it? Morning Mysteries. And, you know, I just I mean, okay, we're recording this in the morning, so we are not one to talk. But like, you know, there's just nothing like, you know, mystery and murder you know, before your morning matcha. Like, it's just like, it's Mm -hmm. funny that a show like this would be discussing such like, it's like a a, a dateline or something, but it it happens to start at 10 o'clock in the morning. So I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, I do think also, okay, this is going to be a super niche thing that probably not that many people are going to get, but the psychic's name is Brock Davies, which is also a real life person who is on um the reality show vanderpump rules it's sheena's husband oh. who's the anyways it's just funny to me i was like oh my gosh did did hellhouse LLC like totally predict Scandival? like i don't know there's it's a whole like reality show thing um so i'm just gonna leave it there and let my reality tv show nerd uh i'm gonna bring reel that back in but i just thought that was a funny character name um i have mixed feelings about this format that they use i think it's cool That it just further shows kind of the ripples that this crew, you know, with them disappearing and how it hasn't really been investigated as much as one might think. However, as it goes on, I think it gets a little tiresome and ends up undercutting some of the tension. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does help build the the mythos and the lore you know like it, it's it's helping to kind of expand the world and build this story that uh, about Andrew Tully and this cult and just like all that so I do think it really does help as far as exposition goes to kind of move yeah. that stuff along
0: yeah and it sets up this idea that you know and it's a very like common trope like the powers that be are telling everybody, no, there's nothing to see here. It was a malfunction. Malfunction, Your documentary yeah. is fake, yeah. <laughs> um, it was all fake. Don't worry about it. Yet, at the same time, there's like 24-7 police presence around the house <laughs> to try to keep people out. And you can, and it's even pointed, like, smartly pointed out, like, this is a really small town. Like, what is the budget number alone? And, like, having, like, two officers camped out. 24 hours a day seven days a week like that probably would be like the whole budget in term in terms of like some small towns Mm -hmm. where they're kind of like police force so there's they know that something is going on there and then you get more footage of different persons that disappear in the home and with mixed results like i think one of them is really good um yeah the younger kid Yeah, yeah.
1: I thought that was actually really effective. So yeah, that younger kid who goes in, who seems like a teenager, like live streaming it on Facebook or something. Mm -hmm. And then there's, oh God, it's just, it is really creepy. I'm not going to lie. It it also reminds me of that scene in um, It with like the egg Mm -hmm. egg boy on the stairs. Because you just just see the legs and the hands. You don't see like the the top half of this Mm -hmm. person. And then it just says that he just stood there like all night until the battery died. And Mm -hmm. then just like nobody ever saw this kid again. And that was actually, I thought, very creepy. (laughs) And that is the kind of stuff
0: that I love. Yes. That is the kind of thing where it's aberrant behavior. Yeah. Right? This idea, it's this idea that, uh, same thing with like that scare at the beginning of the movie with the text messages where you're sending the same message over and over again like this is not like you would it's much scarier that he just stands there and the figure just stands there yeah um rather than have him run like the next scare is like a dude who breaks in and then sees something although you can never quite in one of the problems with this movie is when there is something scary that happens a lot of times, like, the camera just swings so quickly that you t- you either have to rewind it, which takes you out, or mm-hmm. you're just like, screw it, I'll just assume something happened here. Um And then you have what might be the most stereotypical gay male couple oh. in a movie of all time. <laughs> yeah. It is, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to harp on that too much, but... um you have, like, again, building the mythology, like, oh, this is a woman who hitchhiked to the opening night of the Hell House and disappeared in the basement. Yeah. Um, again, like, pretty creepy scare.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah, because she looks normal. And then she goes in the base. They're following her because they're, like, they're worried about it. They're like, okay, clearly yeah. this person is in distress and needs help. Like, we should help her. Mm-hmm. And... So they're going out of their way to make sure she's okay and be like, no, you, we should, you need help. We got to get you out of here. And yeah. And then she turns around and then you see her, uh, her true self, I guess her, mm-hmm. her, her ghost self. And it, it is really creepy. And yeah. I, I like these little snippets of like other people, the house has drawn in and claimed, like I kind of wish they had pursued that a little further I, I think Same. it's I think it's interesting and it is a good way to kind of kick it off, I guess, because then because of these disappearances, because there's so many unanswered questions that it um, sets up for our new crew that, you know, further expands yeah. upon why they're interested and why they're paying attention to the story and want to go in and have been digging a bit deeper into the house and its history. So it, it does make sense I guess why this other group of investigative reporters, I guess, investigative journalists um, have gotten involved. Vice
0: light. The inside is what I have them down here as, and it's going to say like, if the whole movie was these Vignettes, these like little, like I feel the same as you. Like if this was the whole movie where you have all these other persons that are drawn in Mm -hmm. and maybe that is fleshed out a little bit more and you dig a little bit deeper like this is what we've discovered about the Tully Count uh, uh, cult yeah. maybe it's not enough for like a whole movie but it might make especially considering like the third one was another like straight to video movie it would be like a great like almost like when the Blair Witch had like the curse of the Blair Witch and you mm-hmm. have like a 60 minute kind of mini pseudo documentary that goes deeper into the lore. Yeah. If you did something like that with it, and then this is just like two feature length movies and this kind of like mini featurette, I think that would be a very strong duology with like some great connecting tissue. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, like the nature of the beast is like, Nope, we got to get like 90 minutes and we got to get something more, narrative out of it so we're going to bring in this crew called the inside which is I think they describe it as like vice except they're rolling the cameras all the time yeah they, they, never s- cut.
1: they say that okay yeah so <laughs> they say like we document everything we're really transparent like everything's recorded also like if you're investigative journalists like there's going to be I mean think about like Deep Throat and like Watergate and stuff like they're not going to sources are not going to be want to be filmed yeah. right yeah <laughs> So like,
0: right.
1: and there, I think there's and there's like multiple times where she's like, oh, we can turn the camera off. And it's like, I thought you said the camera never goes off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was you're undercutting your whole selling point here. Like, what are you talking about? Like, we don't need to show this right now. Uh, and at one point, like even like Mitchell's like, no, no, keep it rolling. Like, why do we want to miss? Like, you know, I don't want to tell you your business, but, you know, let's not do that. Yeah. Um, and we're introduced to Molly and Jessica. Yes. And.
1: I think, okay. This is. Yeah. I would love to hear your thoughts on um, these two characters and performances.
0: I am not an actor. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a lot of respect <laughs> for the craft it's difficult yes um and I also know that there's also not always like the budget or the time to get the performance you might really want to capture um but the person who plays it might be one of the worst performances I've and I've seen a lot of Nick Cage movies Mm. this Mm -hmm. might be one of the worst performances I've ever. I kid. I mean, like right now, someone's throwing their phone. Like, how dare you? How dare you? Joyce Schatz is a bad lesbian for the ages. Oh no! No, It's um, it just wasn't like it's so big all the time, and it's it's that um, super again like stagey, almost like high school play type of delivery, and it's very distracting. It It is like really, really distracting.
1: It's. and it's, like, really, like, it's kind of frustrating in some ways, just because I do think as the film goes on and it gets more into, like, the found footage, like, they're actually in the house. Like, I do think, like, that mm-hmm. actually, it gets better. Yeah. And so it's, like, these early scenes where they're just, you know, we're normal investigative reporters kind of thing that feels really forced and cheesy. Like, they're even, mm-hmm. like, when she, she like, fake dials a phone at mm-hmm. one point, And I'm, like, wow, okay.
0: Yeah, like. it's like if Ralph Wiggum came on and said, "I am a journalist." Yeah, you know, it yes. feels. It, Very much like that.
1: Like I just kind of wish they had excised some of that a little bit and just done more like on the fly kind of candid stuff because I feel like that is maybe like when these these people actually mm-hmm. it, it feels yeah. way more believable to me. Like it's yeah. almost like they relax a little bit and it feels a lot more real. Yeah. Even though it's like it's yes, it's a movie. They're all acting. Like I get it, but for some yeah. reason those early scenes feel. Very, very f- yeah. forced and very unbelievable. I, I yes, it's acting. So I yeah, with, also not an actor. Yeah. And so I yeah. want to be clear. Like, I think that I would be way worse than these people. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay, the-
0: yeah. It's in, in, we can prove that. Cause you can go back into our archives <laughs> and listen to me deliver dialogue in our table readings for like resident evil and it chapter one and Halloween four you can go back and listen to those, and you can come at me and say, Mr. Snoonian, Mike, we've heard you do these readings. Like, you, who are you to say? You have no and right. And that's true. <laughs> I have no right. And you're right. I do have no right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but, like, I would say, and I think uh, Jillian Gertz, who plays, like, Jessica, mm-hmm. fares a little bit better. Yeah. I think what it is is, like, Molly is called upon to deliver exposition it is just meant to like move the story along like okay we gotta deliver this exposition yeah. set up what's going to happen and then move on where in because i think uh jessica struggles with this as well like this the scene she has where her and mitchell are just sitting at the table mm-hmm. kind of like talk like don't you want to know what happened and it, it feels very forced it yeah. feels very un natural. And I could be wrong, maybe that was like the direction. It was like, no, like we want to shoot a fake documentary. We don't want it to feel too real. Uh yeah. so we want to give it like that staged almost like reality show television feel, but I I didn't get that impression that that's what they were going
1: for. I didn't either. I got the impression that they're you know, using their resources and friends around mm-hmm. them to make a movie, which is great. Yeah. Um it just it took me out of it a little. That's all.
0: It did. Yeah. yeah. I do have the note that uh, Brock Davies has some drip, like super well-dressed, really well put together, yeah. don't know, quite know why he's here, uh, yeah, don't that's a quite good know point. why they bring him. That's a good point. Um, I'm not
1: sure necessarily he adds much other than like um, an extra body count, you know, and just mm-hmm. like a few different scares. I will say, I like, yeah. I thought his performance, Kyle, it looks like Kyle Engelman, was fine. He reminded me, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like, what is it, Grave Encounters? Like the yes. psychic from that kind of the hoity-toity psychic that's like knows he's on mm-hmm. camera and is performing for the cameras, you know? So I thought that was pretty, I, I, I liked that's that. That's a
0: really good comparison. I think that's a a really good, because Grave Encounters is a good example where it's only two movies, unfortunately, um, but it's a really good example of having like a super strong first movie that fares much better than persons expected. So Mm -hmm. let's do another Mm -hmm. one and doing something that is just different enough about it um, where it stands really strong on its own. Yeah. So that might be a two, two movies we have to like tackle at some point as well. I think that's a really good comparison. Yeah. Um, What do you think of Jessica and Molly's plan to recruit Mitchell who has never actually been inside the house to lead them through the house to find documents that may or may not be in a fridge in the murder basement. This does not seem like a very good plan.
1: Really? I mean, I I thought it made sense because their whole thing was like, all right, we want to get in and out. Like, we don't want Mm -hmm. to waste time, like an hour tops. We want to go right to the fridge and then leave. So it kind of made sense. However, this, I think what makes it feel a little like of an odd choice is the fact that this space doesn't necessarily feel that big. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I, I I guess it's a little confusing, but it's not like a Winchester house, right? Like, right. It kinda, it's like, well, it's a small enough little hotel or house. Like, right. I think you could find the basement.
0: Right. And I don't know why they couldn't just watch the opening scene of the first movie, right. which literally walks them through <laughs> yeah. the pathway they have to go. Yeah. And it's like a very short, maybe like 30 yards at most, 20 yards at most like pathway. Yeah. Um, so I don't know why they couldn't just watch that. Yeah. Maybe even like throw a copy on their phone and use that as a little map. Right. It just didn't make sense. Like, well, oh, this guy who's never been in the home, but edited the documentary. Right. Is gonna like know the pathway better? I don't know. I get the idea of like we want to get in and get out, but yeah, you know, I think Mitchell has just as much information as they do.
1: Yeah, I, uh, yes, I think so. And, but it ties it to the first one, I guess. More, it's, mm-hmm. I, it feels like something that they put in there to like justify it as a sequel, even though it's linked yeah. in plenty of ways. I guess I will say that, like, okay. it feel it feels very strongly connected to the first one. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you see something and you're like, oh, well, okay. That's, like, feels a little bit forced, you know, pulling threads from the Mm -hmm. other movies. But this one does feel, because of the space, because of some of the the visual elements, like we get clown, you know, like it it pulls in a lot of references from the first one. And I guess Mitchell is just another one of those things.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's... (laughs) You mentioned, like, to tie it into the first one. And this is one of the little notes I made was I like that it tries to tie it into the first one. I think where it makes a mistake in terms of, like, trying to make me care about it is who it focuses on is the documentarian from the first movie. I think Diane Graves, Mm. um, who you really only see at the end of the movie. She's not someone I necessarily care about as a character. Yeah. If this was someone that was maybe connected more to Alex or Mac or Sarah or Tony, someone that wanted to know, like, what happened to Tony, what actually happened to Mac, how did Alex meet his end, like, trying to figure that out, I think I would have cared more about that because the moments I do like in this movie. There are little moments that, like, show this new crew and then the original crew either, like, driving to the hotel or walking up to it or walking in, and they mirror one another. Like, those are the moments I really, really enjoy. Mm -hmm. And the third movie brings the focus, I think, back to that original crew in a way that I think, like, it makes me more invested in what's going on. We're here. I'm like... I know what happened to Diane like I don't and I not a character I necessarily was very invested in so it made me less invested in like what Mitchell was trying to do for better or for worse
1: yeah yeah there are yeah I I I would like to talk about more of the things that we do like and that that being one of them I I will say I don't those clowns man are creepy They were creepy in the first one, and they are still very potently creepy in this one. Like, I do not care for those clowns, and when they go down in that basement... For me, the basement is kind of the best part.
0: Ground zero. Ground zero.
1: It was creepy in the first one, and it is Mm -hmm. still creepy in this one. The way it looks, the low ceilings, those clowns in the corner... I Mm -hmm. do not care for them. No, thank you, sir. Um, So I was, that was a great idea to bring those back. I'm sure they still had those just chilling in their garage. Yeah. Where do you keep those when you're not filming? Because so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So here's the beauty of this movie. Um, Here's the beauty of the series. The Abaddon Hotel is an actual haunted attraction in Pennsylvania. Um, So it's stored there, I guess like the set designer of this movie and the, I think all three movies, like she, and let me just, I'll have to dig up my notes. So we said her name in the first movie, like they hired her. Like she runs the hunt in Pennsylvania and they had most of these things like on hand already. Um, and then I think like, I think the clown, the actual clown mask, um, of like the black and gray clown, they originally had commissioned a mask to be made. And the guy ghosted them. He basically, Mm. like, right before filming, when Stephen Condetti reached out to the mask maker and said, hey, we're filming tomorrow. Where's the mask? He was like, oh, my basement flooded. There's going to be no mask. (laughs) So it was like the dog ate my homework of excuses. The uh, set designer is like, oh, well, I have, like, these older clown masks. Why don't we just kind of gussy them up a little bit? And they were able on the spot to create create them. And Cognetti even said it was probably better we had these older masks. They looked lived in. Yeah. They looked like they'd been used. So there was wear and tear in them. So it ended up like being a blessing. So, you know, there are scenes where you see like all of these props behind like chain link fence. I'm assuming that's just there. That that's just where they keep the shit when um, it's not in season. And also, I want to make a road trip out to this. It's about a five and a half hour drive for me. I really want to make a road trip out to this haunt and check it out.
1: I mean, it's super smart. Like, if you have access to that stuff, because clearly it's not going on year-round, so just film it, you know, slightly in the off season and have all that at your disposal. Like, that's super smart. And I I love that fact. I love that it feels Mm -hmm. it it feels you know, it, it still has that sort of indie lo-fi kind of feeling of people just making Mm -hmm. films because they like to make films and yeah. Yeah. And yeah, even though I know that they would not be real and stuff, those clowns, man, I just, I, if I, even if I went to that haunt and I Mm -hmm. saw those, like I probably would not go down those stairs. (laughs) Yep. Uh,
0: Yeah. I don't know if the basement (laughs) is the basement was not a part of the tour before this movie. And I don't know if it's part of the tour now. Like, I don't know yeah. if that is like, if they found a way to incorporate it. Cause I imagine that would be a pretty big selling point. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, one thing I really do like about this movie, when I talked about the first when I talked about how, like as an actual Halloween haunted attraction, I would feel pretty let down mm-hmm. if like, you know, um, if, well, if my friends got murdered for sure. um, <laughs> But, like, if it was just, like, your run-of-the-mill, like, not haunted haunt, like, just throw... like the. I don't think they did a great job of, like, actually creating a haunt, Mm. because they're... Especially because there just weren't enough actors in it. Like, it was just a bunch of, like, props and lighting. Even though this one is not technically, like, oh, it's a haunted attraction and we're walking through it, it feels way more like a very scary very quick when they're going through those hallways and like jessica's reaction in particular like when she like k- jumps back and covers her mouth and gets startled like that is a typical uh yeah. reaction and the way they use like there's the one woman who is in like the nightgown that looks like she's a prop
1: yes, and then
0: blinks like that is a very that's a great scare the, blink um, and, the way and like the mm-hmm.
1: It might even be the same actress, but like when they're in like the dining room and it looks like they're all mannequins and then, it, you know, yes. like it felt very like paranormal activity in some ways. How like the mm-hmm. camera like looks away and then it looks back and her head's in another yep. direction. Like that's yeah. that stuff is the stuff that like never fails to just like give me mm-hmm. like ugh, the shivers, you know, so yeah. they, they are good. Like There's there are several moments like that in this that it's that are really yeah very unnerving scares. And I think that, you know, there are also moments where they undercut it themselves where it, yeah. um like, there's a freeze frame on one of the girls, like ghost faces, mm-hmm. I think. And th- for me, that felt a little lame. Cause it like, it was a good scare, but then it's like, you should have just yeah. cut away like by lingering yep. on it and actually letting me like see her face for that. Mm-hmm. It, like those few extra seconds, it like took the scare away. it's very, scares are hard man
0: <laughs> it it relies on that a little bit too much yeah. where it like freeze frames and then lingers on it and it kind of goes to that it goes to that well like oh it work might work once but when you do it two three four times then it starts to lose its effectiveness yeah. um let's talk about that seance like dining room scene because i do think <laughs> That is, and it is like it actually a pretty good surprise because you think that Brock Davies is going to be this character that is in throughout the duration, and he's pretty much like dumped about forty to forty-five minutes into the movie, which in some ways is unfortunate because he's a bit more charismatic than some of the other performers. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a great, it's a great little scene for a couple reasons. Number one, the first time like that. Uh, female doll turns its head and it's not a lot of attention Mm. drawn to Mm -hmm. it but when you notice it you're like oh that's fucked nope (laughs) um but what do we think of like the seance itself like i liked it was a little bit more subtle it wasn't bananas
1: i love how he just pulled out a planchette out of his pocket (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm I don't know, that made me laugh really hard. As one does. Yeah, he's just As like, one does. Oh, here we go. And just, like, made Dude. his own kind of Ouija board, you know, just mm-hmm. writing, like, Y and N on the table. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved that.
0: And... He's a psychic, you know? You gotta be prepared. You never know when a seance is just gonna bust out. <laughs>
1: yes. I did like how you could kind of see his... Um character drop like his character of Brock Davies you know his Mm character the psychic character like kind of when he realizes that like wait what you're wait you're real and you're gonna hurt us uh (laughs) like that's not what I was expecting (laughs) and Mm I yeah I wasn't I was similarly not expecting him to just get the axe so quickly Mm -hmm. I think it would have been nice yeah. to have him a little bit and kind of see that facade drop even more. Um, mm-hmm. But there is something to be said about just eliminating him altogether. It no. it raises the stakes. I think for the crew that's there for the characters that we do follow, it immediately raises the stakes to like a huge level yeah. because yeah. like, if he's a psychic, if he's talking to this people and like, they just killed him. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not good.
0: And you, you, no that's not good (laughs) and it lets you know that like all right we can drop out at any moment here and they they do a clever little thing later on that it's not necessarily scary but creepy like the last question he asks is are you here to hurt us and later on when they go back into the dining room and discover him and you see the table it has a yes written over and over again and that is like following up on that last scene is like, that's a pretty good little creep right there. Like that's a clever thing, like things like that. And later on they show the um, hotel rooms and like what person is occupying Mm -hmm. which room and they have their names listed. Um, And one of those names again, is like Russell Wynn who's going to be the third, the lead of the third movie. It's who the movie like centers around. So a subtle way to, to set up the next movie Uh, or kind of like make me maybe appreciate this one a little bit more after I watch like the third movie.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I, I mean, that's smart. They've, they had such a great success with the first one that they're, they, you know, they're building a trilogy. And so it's Mm -hmm. smart to like, know that. So that you can plant those little seeds. And I haven't seen the third one. And I'll probably watch it mm-hmm. because why not? I'm already this deep. Why not? You know, I, I yeah. got to finish it out. The completionist in me, I got to finish it out. And so I will be, I'm excited to know that some of that stuff carries on. And to see, I have a feeling there's a lot of stuff. Andrew Tully talks about a lot of stuff in kind of the final culminating scene. Oh, we'll get to that. And so I'm yeah. excited to see like, okay, what exactly are we talking about here? Because he's dropping a lot of intel um, mm-hmm. in those scenes that I'm not necessarily sure I yeah. comprehended everything that he was talking right. about. But, um, oh, oh, oh! when they're at, speaking of the hotel rooms, I thought when they were like trapped in that room and they push the dresser mm-hmm. up against the thing and they're just like hanging out for a while and they're going through the tapes, but then all of a sudden the light goes out and Molly disappears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of creepy. I did not care for that.
0: Okay. I see. I felt the opposite. I'm like that was I didn't care for it either, but the, I didn't the, find it creepy. I was going to say
1: I'm okay. When I'm saying I didn't care for it or I'm saying nope, that's me being like unnerved. Yeah. Like okay, I yes, guess I should I got all right, translate I got my Mhm.
0: And I'm when I'm saying, "Oh, well, I didn't care for that." I'm like saying like, yeah, that I didn't, care didn't really that. work for me. Yeah. Um There is, like, again, some of this is just, like, Molly, when she enters the home, again, like, the performer, Joy Schatz, she's really going for it here. Like, this is her moment. She's doing something. She's making some choices. There is
1: something to be said, though, about the long history of, you know, manic women in horror, right? Mm -hmm. And those kind of performances of just women losing their minds and mm-hmm. so i thinking about it now it's like maybe maybe i kind of respect that choice because that's kind okay. of what it feels like is just kind of the okay. a cheesy th- i i'm giving her a lot of benefit of the doubt here but maybe like she's like no i'm going for it this is like this very stereotypical mm-hmm. woman losing her marbles moment yeah
0: yep. Yeah. <laughs> and she is like she's definitely losing the marvels, and i think to her credit like she's not what she does portray like there is like a sweetness to the character you kind of do feel a little bit like oh this poor woman does not like she's been the voice of reason she wants no part of this Mm -hmm. that part like does get conveyed and now she's trapped in here with these goombas just like uh Um,
1: Okay. Yeah. So they call her on the walkie talkie saying we need an extra set of hands. I'd be like, go
0: or do. Yeah. I'd
1: be like, go fuck yourself. Nope. I'm standing watch.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You can. That's it. Like a lot of this is like the, the hitchhikers that go into the basement or the people that are helping the hitchhiker. Like there is no amount of money that is getting me in that basement. There is no investigation That is worth me going into this murder basement. I'm sorry. Like I am staying outside. I'm toasting some s'mores. Uh, I am just going to kind of maybe like walk through the cornfield a little bit and enjoy like a nice autumn evening. But I am not going in that place for any reason. Especially let's go into the fridge in the basement. And let's say like shit goes down and they lock me inside of there. No, thank you. A big nope to that. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, now that you mention it, because those fridges, those, like, commercial kitchen fridges, Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, The Shining, right? Like, we've seen this so many times. Like, that's such a classic horror element and, like, Mm -hmm. how it can get used against you. They don't get locked Mm -hmm. in that fridge. Nope. It doesn't get colder in that room. Like, they really... That's a missed opportunity, in my opinion. You're in a fridge... Use that damn fridge. I don't know. Um, I, I, come on. Maybe. They could have done, they like, that, that door could have slammed. It could have chopped off a sure. finger.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Those doors are heavy.
0: I think <laughs> if they did that, we would be saying, oh, it's too much like The Shining. Well, it's yeah. kind of a ripoff. You know, I guess it comes down to, like, how you feel about the movie. I guess That's if the true. movie works for you, then you would have, yeah, but... Um, so they are trapped in this room, and you do get, like, another good, subtle, creepy moment. Like, when they're, when they're on the walkie-talkie, mm-hmm. and they're like, do you hear us? Yes, you're already checked in October 8th. It's just for you. Yeah. I like that. It's not over the top. No. It's, like, just, like, the ghosts fucking with yeah. them. It's not screamy. Like, those are, like, really good, well-crafted scares. I think that that is one of them. Yes. Um right what do we now we get the reveal about alex and did he make a deal with the devil and this is uh, i think the character is uh david who is the other he is basically the camera person and then i should i'm gonna change that david uh played by dust Dusty Austin, who has since come out as a trans woman, Dusty Austin. So I'm going to say she is the uh, camera person in this movie. I'm going to try to get that right. It might be I might get it wrong a couple times, and I'm going to apologize in advance just because of the movie. But like uh, David, she is um, finds these other tapes yeah. that just happen to have Alex on them, and Alex is having some sort of breakdown with an unseen person. And you realize that it was no accident that the, he found this hotel in the first movie. That he was definitely steered there after some shady business um, some shady business deals have kind of like undercut his business. And now he's kind of almost forced to take this location. What do we think of this reveal? <laughs> like, is that a step too far? Is that kind of...
1: Kind of. It feels... It, what it does to me... Is it's like turning this fairly innocent thing of like, we, we make haunts and we build them and we're, you know, friends, but also trying to make mm-hmm. money kind of thing and turns it into some sort of like conspiracy, but it's yeah. like on such a small scale that it's mm-hmm. kind of humorous to me. It's like, oh really? Like this is this is the what yeah. the the evil entity is up to in this, like, all right, we're mm-hmm. we're gonna do this. Yeah. I'm gonna tempt you in with this haunt to make yeah. all the millions of dollars.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you have this, um it cuts back to like the studio footage or like he, Alex Taylor has become like a very controversial figure. Like has he, has he he really? really?
1: Yeah. I don't, I I think it's a little silly. It would make sense Mm -hmm. that he would be like drawn to it, but maybe Mm -hmm. like, but I think it would work better if like, maybe he doesn't know why. Like we kind of see in the first one. Where he's, like, Mm -hmm. really determined. It feels like he's really determined for some reason and, like, really passionate about it, even though it doesn't necessarily, Mm -hmm. like, make sense to everybody around him. Like, I I feel like I prefer that a little bit more than, like, oh, no, he's just trying to make money. I I don't know.
0: You you see it, you know, you, you see it here where, like, Jessica gets, like, this anonymous package with clues about, like, Andrew Tully's cult. And it's a, it's the hook that she needs in order to, like, start the investigation. Like, all he needs is a hook. Like, be like, oh, your business is going under. Like, obviously, New York costs a lot of money to put one of these attractions in, and the economy is what it is. Like, hey, check this place out. Why don't you see, like, this could be perfect for you, and that could be just, like, the little hook that's needed, yeah. and this becomes something, like, a bit more nefarious, especially when we get to the reveal at the end of the movie, which I think we'll kind of like skip to it at this point, because really at this point what you see is like they go to the, Molly gets kidnapped, like you said, they go to the basement, she is held at knife point by the creepy clown, which is whoa, clown is escalating in this movie, in the first (laughs) movie the clown is just turning its head and doing shenanigans in this movie it's like i'm gonna hold a knife up to your throat (laughs) so it's really stepped up it's crime game yeah
1: although i don't believe what do we think no
0: you know still would you run by the clown like would you no i would
1: well i'd make somebody else go first and then as the clown is wrestling with that person Mm -hmm. i would sneak out behind him (laughs)
0: <laughs> Yoink, just kind of like hop over them
1: like see you later yeah <laughs> yeah
0: just like if that clown was in the doorway you'd just be like well i guess this is where yes. we live now uh, yeah. i guess this, is, this it. is it um and they do another thing with the clown where it replicates that scare with paul from the first movie with like the strobe lights in the hallway mm-hmm. except this time the clown is walking towards them and again
1: pretty creepy yeah i yeah no and he's holding molly and like mm-hmm it's just always so cuz it's when they don't move but you're mm-hmm. expecting them to move, you know, and you're yeah. just like, "Oh god," which is what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, they go up to her and like try to get her out. Um and then the wall explodes like mm-hmm. to the left or whatever. The wall yep. like it's very Amityville <laughs> horror. Yeah.
0: That, that's your portal. That's your
1: portal. That's your gateway to hell. You know, okay. All right. All right, sir. Yeah. Um and I'd, yeah,
0: I'd love to. I'd love to see a moment where you cut this with Barbarian and Justin Long's character starts measuring inside the portal <laughs> and wondering if he can add like that square footage yes. to his place, like a portal to hell with that. Yeah, give me more square if footage like that here. would be amazing. All right. I, so I own all this, um, right? Um, But David, our camera person, like she is dragged into hell um, by some unseen uh, henchmen and there's more running around the hotel. You get another, we were talking about this off camera. My understanding is like this girl in the hallway talking to her mother on the phone is supposed to be Sarah. Yeah, that makes sense. And it could be that like the footage is really dark. But it looks to me like this person, like Sarah's been recast. Um, So it's really like it kind of pulls me out of it because like instead of saying like, oh, that's like Sarah and like, why is she here on her phone? I'm like, wait, this doesn't look like I'm pulled out of the moment at that point. And it's too bad because, again, it's another creepy little scare when he walks by her and like yeah we're like alex dragged us all the hell and mitchell's going there too like that's i like that that's the kind of stuff i love
1: yeah i do too but if yeah if it yeah I didn't i did not know it was sarah so i'm assuming it's a different person Mm -hmm. playing that i almost wish they just hadn't tried to make it sarah and just should have it could have been like oh yeah i came with you know, it could have just been somebody who's going to the haunt, right? Yes. And just like, yep. oh, yeah. And then this, you know, person. They could reference somebody else, Alex or whatever, it, dragged me to hell. And now been the yeah, it could have been, been the hitchhiker. Yeah, it could have been. Could have been the hitchhiker
0: checking in with her mom. Like, yeah, I got here. Okay. And then I went with these people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could have easily done that. And it would have worked just as yeah. well.
1: Um, that, that, that kind of it's like the first part of the second half of the film, when they're running around and it feels much more traditional found footage to me, to me, mm-hmm. that's my favorite parts of this film. Yep. Like, I do think that those moments feel really good. The acting, to me, feels a lot more visceral. And it kind of is embracing some of the things that people love about found footage so much. For me, found footage is terrifying. It's very similar yeah. to, like, uh, horror video games because you feel mm-hmm. like an active participant. Like, you feel like it's just... It's so much more intense for me. And so I—I I, those are the parts of this film that I like. I don't necessarily like it when it pulls you out of it and cuts back to either archive footage or the newsroom or something because it's like, no, just just I'm, I'm in it. Why are you pulling me back out? And then it kind of feels yeah. back and forth. So I wish they would have committed to that a little bit more. Um, but I do think that those, those moments in that last little section – are pretty good and then and then we get to the dining room and it kind of like slows yeah. down a little bit again but
0: exactly so you get to that moment and you get a couple reveals like shock number one like when the camera goes off you find out that that was not like the so the, that was not the uh town selectman arnold tasselman arnold tasselman uh, was held up because of, like, a car accident, and he's been talking to the, co- the cops for two hours. Mm-hmm. And I made a note here. I'm like, did the real Arnold Tasselman commit vehicular homicide? because like he is tied up for a long time like (laughs) he missed his whole show and he says that he hit a woman so i'm wondering like did he like not hit her car but actually hit a woman in the street and she's dead and he's this he's making this phone call from jail like sorry i miss morning because you don't want to cross morning mysteries like if you Mm -hmm. do that your name is no good in this town anymore (laughs) yeah absolutely um you find out, like, this is not An- Arnold Tasselman, but actually Andrew Tully. Mm-hmm. And you get another mention of Russell Wynn in the um, television show Morning Mysteries. Or, like, next week, our guest will be Russell Wynn, and he'll be talking about, you know, like the tapes that he's receiving and also bringing his interactive play to this town, which is the premise of the third movie. So it's pretty clear when. This one is being shot. They know where they're going to go with yeah. the third one. They have a really good idea of it. It's To their credit, like, hey, they had a plan. They executed it. Um, we go back to the hotel. We meet Andrew Tully. We have Alex and Max sitting, like, creepy still at the table. We have Diane at the piano. And Tully gives his grand reveal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: His whole plan is to get more guests for the hotel.
1: Yep. Um, also... Did you catch that he's like, Be our guest, be our guest? It's like, wait, this spirit has seen Beauty and the Beast? I guess. <laughs> like, I guess what is he doing when. I guess what he's. What year did that come out? Uh,
0: the 90s? Like, the Disney. Hold on. He died in 1989, right? So, Beauty and <laughs> the Beast. Hold on. Uh, the TV show is 87. No. The... Why can't... 1991. Yeah, 87 to 90 was the TV show with Ron Perlman uh, and Roy... And is it Linda Hamilton in the TV show? Like, am I wrong about...
1: I don't know. Was she want... the lead
0: in that? Hold on.
1: But that's the Disney animated song.
0: Yep, you're correct. I, I just got pulled down this rabbit hole B- as we record. B- B- yeah. It was Little Hamilton in... Uh, pre in between the Terminator movies, like she starred in this show for 1991 is Beauty and the Beast.
1: Okay, yeah. So, so Ghost Tully is just like chilling in the hotel in his downtime, watching Disney movies. <laughs> like, <laughs> I
0: this is one of my fascinations about the afterlife. Like, if there is an afterlife, can you just like one thing that I it, it, it hit me the other day, and it terrified me. Like, what if there's capitalism in the afterlife? Mm. Like, what if you live forever but have to work? And I'm like, oh, my God, please. Um, But, like, if there is an afterlife, can you just chill and watch movies? Like, do you have the ability Mm -hmm. to... This is one of those things that, like, keeps me up at night. Well, Hell House LLC
1: 2 would say yes, apparently. Yes, you can.
0: (laughs) Because, like, it's either a really grievous continuity error... (laughs) Uh, where Tully dies at 89, and this come this Beauty and the Beast comes out at <laughs> 91, or you know Arnold Tully is at the local multiplex going, what should I see today? Yeah. And and he likes Disney animation, which seems out of character, but what do I? Know?
1: But you know he's a hotel guy. He's like, I like this idea, you know, of just like this place, this castle, and everybody comes to it. <laughs> I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, okay. okay, we're uh, we've gone on too long about this. But yeah. um so yes, totally.
0: What do you think of his plan to get more guests into the hotel? Because I'm thinking there are easier ways to attract guests to a hotel. Like have you tried a Continental Breakfast for free? <laughs> yeah. Do you offer HBO in the bedroom? Free rooms? Wi-Fi? You know? Yeah. Free Wi-Fi. This would be Yeah, at this you're right. Free Wi-Fi. All of these things are are probably going to be, like, a lot more efficient in getting, like, paying guests mm-hmm. than luring in haunted attractions and creepy documentarians.
1: Yeah. And also, like, I'm not necessarily sure it's the best, like, uh, setup for long-term success.
0: Because <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: eventually, right. like, dude, this building is just going to get knocked down.
0: Mm-hmm. Why isn't
1: it a big knockdown yet? Like, who owns this property, and why is it just good question allowed to exist in its form? Good um, question. So that's part of it, I guess. Um, yeah.
0: And again, yeah. the dude playing Tully is really going for it here. Yes. Like he is delivering this speech, and 1970s James Bond villains are like, "Get on with it! Like, <laughs> shut the fuck up and get on with your plan." Enough is enough at this point. Oh.
1: He, um. So there's part when he, like, says, like, I've. Like, he makes. Doesn't he make somebody else kill Molly or something? Like, he says, like, he's already. Like, I've captured basically all the guests I can. You have to do this.
0: So he basically says his plan is, like, I need one of you to go. You get to choose Mitchell either Molly or Jessica is going to die yeah. and the other one is going to go out into the world and they are going to lure in more guests to the hotel. Gotcha. Mitchell just sits there like a mute as I think most of us would like you, I need to do what? Like, wait a minute. First, you're a ghost. Like that's blowing my mind. Mm-hmm. We are just on TV. We were just on TV together. Can ghosts even be on television? Apparently. Um apparently they can how did the psychic not pick this up you know that's pretty bad psychicking uh, right there as might far be a as fraud i don't know <laughs> might be might be a bit of a fraud <laughs> although like the seance worked that's
1: true half fraud you know just maybe just half Yeah, yeah. maybe just bad
0: <laughs> yeah um so molly dies he ends up like he doesn't choose anyone molly dies Uh, Mitchell wanders over to the piano and it's Diane with like half her face caved in the one creepy Mm -hmm. eye Um, and then Jessica you hear Jessica dying in the background so you're like wait a minute your whole plan was let one of them live and you cut back we haven't mentioned this but there's been scenes with like Jessica in police headquarters and you get the feeling that Stephen Cognetti really like the sixth sense because like this is the second movie in a row where like one of your main characters has been dead the whole time
1: yeah and
0: it will be you spoiler it'll be used again in the third oh
1: shocking um yeah it said that she's been missing for like five days like -hmm. the police officer says like she's been missing for five days and then they picked her up on the side of the road so similar to the girl that the 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 mm-hmm. two the couple picked up, um. Yeah. I. Hmm. So wait, so nobody left alive? Did I miss something?
0: I think no one is left alive. We don't know what happens to Mitchell. Yeah, that's what I'm
1: I was wondering. I'm assuming
0: he's killed. Okay. I'm assuming he's he's not let out of the hotel, uh, and he's not he's dead i mean that's just my assumption right with that right so kind of tully goes back on his word a little bit he's not a good planner (laughs) definitely so we're gonna leave one of them alive and then he fails to do
1: that he's like or not it's okay
0: (laughs) right which again might be the reason why his hotel went down in the first place like didn't leave a mint on the pillow. Yeah. I don't know. He is an occult, so maybe he took all the Bibles out of the drawers Probably. and that weirded yeah. people out. Well, and I mean, um, okay,
1: listen. He has fake candles on that table. Fake plastic he? LED candles in this oh. major culminating scene right mm-hmm. in front of Tully in the foreground of the shot so you're seeing these plastic candles on this you know candelabra thing yeah which i mean number one takes me out of the movie and it's like if you're gonna Mm -hmm. have this big like climax of the movie guys i'm sorry use real candles i know you have to change them out and continuity and like candles can be a pain when you're filming something but just commit to the real candles yeah. And but also, like, if we're looking at it from the movie point of view, it's just like Tully's cutting corners, right? You know, just yeah, really cutting corners and those little details. It's what makes people want to stay somewhere. Right. Yeah. It gives it place. This personality. is a one star
0: review. Yeah, it's a one star <laughs> review on TripAdvisor for sure. Uh, definitely. You know, and the hotels are really sparse. Like there's not even a, you don't even see a TV. In the rooms that we're in, like, you never see a television. Or windows? Again, all these, true. Why can't
1: they escape out the windows? They don't even try. I think they're all bordered up. Okay, kick them out. That's going to be easier to kick out than a door. Yep. But, you know, that's okay. I know it's a movie. I'm just saying. Yeah.
0: (laughs) A lot of mistakes are made. A lot of poor choices. A lot of poor choices. But this movie ends with Jessica luring the cops into the hotel and then it's going to continue on going to continue on from there mm-hmm. and that is our discussion or our walkthrough of hell house to hell house llc to the abaddon hotel what do we what are your final thoughts
1: my final thoughts are it, it feels what i liked about the first one is that it felt pretty simple in its premise hmm Um, And really kind of leaned on a little bit more like character development and just like some basic scares. And I think that's why it succeeds so well. This one felt like, you know, well, it's part of a trilogy now. And it felt like it was getting a little too big for its britches as far as like what Mm -hmm. it was hoping to achieve uh, story wise. I do think that there are some great scares. I do think that some of those elements still work. I think the space is still really creepy. I think that, yeah, the acting could have been better, but whatever. Um, I wish they had had a little more time and thought about it a little more. So not the greatest, but hey, (laughs) I haven't made a feature film. So they've made made three at least. I don't know what they've done after that. but So kudos to them for that. And um, it's got some good things. And if you're a fan of the yep. first one, I do think it's still worth watching just to How? kind of see the next evolution of it. I will say that.
0: Yeah, I'd say the the bits that work really work. Like, I really do like that first 30 minutes, like the, the um, questionable acting and all like some of the. The setups for the scares really work and the payoff for some of the scares really work. And there's some really cool ideas that are going down in that first 30 minutes. And I think that if the movie was more of just an exploration of the hotel itself and the cult itself, and like it didn't necessarily have like an narrative arc, but something that acted as a bridge between the two movies, like it would have been more successful. I do think they make very good use of the space in this movie and that it does feel like a haunted attraction. And those are the parts I really like. Um, ultimately it's a bit flawed. I think I have it as like two and a half stars in my letterbox. Um, you know, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's definitely not the worst thing we've ever covered here. And, you know, it's considering that this probably has a a 10th of the budget of a lot of the movies we've covered. If that, that might even be being generous. Um, you know, it, it works as a bridge between the first and the last movie. If you really love the first movie, this is definitely a step down. The third one is a bit of a rebound. I'd be interested to hear your take yeah. on the third movie uh, and what you think. War. I think a lot of it works, um, and I like the little. I actually like the coda at the end, even if I think it breaks the fourth wall a bit. Um, so not my favorite entry in the series, but, and I think, you know, we try to be, a, give a balanced, like, this is what works, this is what doesn't work, and hopefully weren't hopefully we weren't too hard on it, because again, like you just said, like, I'm not a filmmaker, yeah. and I am friends with some filmmakers, and I respect how much, I've, you know, been on set with them, and I've seen how much hard work goes into making any movie uh, and especially like an independent effort like this I don't want to be someone that like just trashes no, it I've, um,
1: the clown's still creepy yeah
0: you know, and I know Cognetti has a fourth entry which is a prequel that is I think might be in post production right now and then he um, has a straightforward haunted house movie that is upcoming as well I think it's called Eight 825 forest road that's listed as in post-production and um the carmichael manor which is the origin story of hell house mm. is in pre-production right now um so that i think is a its own standalone story so i will watch both yep. like i like what he's done enough to say you know what i'm in i'll definitely watch both so same all right Rachel, what's going on for you? What's going on with the Losers Club and Girls on the Boys and writing? What do you have coming sure, up?
1: Sure. Yeah. So in Losers Club, we just did, uh, just dropped our episode, our book episode for May on Duma Key, which was a great book, a big read, but uh, really, really way better than I thought. So if you're a Duma Key mm-hmm. fan or haven't read Duma Key, I encourage you to do so. Um, girls on the Boys, Jen Adams and I um, are going through episode by episode of season one, and we just dropped an episode on episode three um, of that first season. Show's amazing. If you're a Boys fan, come on this journey with us. You can find that on the Anatomy of a Screen yeah. pod squad feed with a lot of other great shows, including Bodies of Horror. Nicole, co-host here on this show mm-hmm. as well. Her show's on there on that feed. Um Writing wise, I've got an episode, an episode, oh God, an article uh, coming out on Dread Central about uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space and the Dickies theme song. So.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, for myself right now, this is my podcasting home. Um, so we have a lot of stuff coming up on the pod and the pendulum. Stay tuned. Like I've mentioned before, we're going to be, Taffeta and I are going to be recording our inaugural episode on uh, Shoot the Baby, yeah. which is going to be like a monthly look, like one a month on the filmography of uh, Bobcat Goldway, like his directing. So we're going to be starting that with Shakes the Clown. So another <laughs> creepy clown Clowns, movie. Uh, one of my favorites. I know. <laughs> one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, a really big project coming out for 2024 that I can't launch. I can't really talk about yet. It's killing you. Uh, and then it, it, this one, I don't think you know about this one. This is a I've just heard
1: one. you talk about it on other podcasts. Just okay. the secret, the secret project.
0: I know. I know it is. I'm really, really excited. Um, and then, you know, we are going to be in June. We're going to be relaunching the Patreon for this show, which you go to patreon.com slash the pod and the pendulum. I'm going to do some different tiers. Uh, There'll be a $1 tier, which will be like a tip jar. Mm. uh, And then like really low pricing to get, I don't think the most expensive tier will be like five bucks to start. Um, Anything over like $2 will get you like some content. Um, We're going to be recording for June It's going to be funny because it's going to go on our patron feed first. Um, Steven and I, and I think Taffeta is going to join us. We're going to be talking about the 1973 uh, Peter Yates uh, directed Robert Mitchett starring movie, um, The Friends of Eddie Coyle, which is a crime drama. It is set in the Boston area. It's fucking amazing. It's going to be a trial balloon for a new show. That we are all going to be launching later this year. We're going to be recording throughout the summer. And then launching it probably around August. And it's going to be a non-horror show for us. There will be some horror. um, But it's going to be basically heist movies. Kung fu movies. Samurai movies. War movies. Spaghetti westerns. Giallo. The things that we don't necessarily get to here. Um, Doesn't have a name yet. Um still working on the structure, but if you become a patron of our show in June, you'll get the first taste of what that movie's going to look like. And I'm really excited to talk about movies that aren't necessarily horror. Um, yes. I've been on a big band. I've, I've been on a Ben Affleck kick. I love it. This past week, <laughs> you know, I watched, I watched air mm-hmm. and then the town and then gone baby gone. And something about me, like if a movie is set in Boston, I become Leonardo, DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is like pointing and yelling, "That's Fenway
1: Park." But did you? Know? you uh, and... But did you watch Reindeer Games? No, is that set in Boston? I've never. <laughs> oh, seen I don't it. think so. I just know Ben Affleck's Okay,
0: <laughs> just just films he's directed. Oh, just all things. right, fine. <laughs> he's. I think he's a. I'm like I. I think he's a great director. Like, oh my God! Like, he is a phenomenal director. You know, he's
1: the power. He's fueled by Duncan. You're right.
0: You know, (laughs) and look, there are probably listeners that are rolling their eyes right now. I'm from Massachusetts. I'm legally obligated to be a fan of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Like, you—they revoke your Dunkies rewards (laughs) card if you're not. Like, if you say a bad word against Goodwill Hunting. You are kicked out of the state. You have to live in New Hampshire, uh, which nobody wants. I kid. We love New Hampshire, and there's no sales tax. I was listening to the Cinephiles this week because that's a, a phenomenal podcast, and they were doing their episode on Goodwill Hunting. Mm. And at one point, they were debating like, "Is this scene set in Harvard Square? Is it set at Dunkin' Donuts or Baskin Robbins?" And I am gonna, I am gonna email them and go, "Actually, the." That is actually a combination Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin-Robbins, and Harvard Square. Oh, my gosh. Like, that is the level of nerddom. Yeah. So, So if you want that kind of detail, folks, <laughs> that's what we're going to be doing with this new show. And the first episode will be uh, The Friends of Eddie Coyle, which is, like, maybe Robert Mitchum at his best. So I am super looking forward to, like, doing that and throwing it on the patron feed for you all. But that's it for now. Um, please check us out at thepodinthependulum.com. That's where all our back episodes are located. You can also subscribe to us through Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, uh, Amazon, all of your local pod feeds. Make sure that you are subscribing to us so you never miss an episode. We'll be covering Jaws this summer and then Saw. You definitely don't want to miss that Um Leave us a rating, like a five-star rating is what really helps. And if you really like the show, leave us a review. It takes two minutes. Leave us a review. Let us know what you like about the show. Let others know what you like about the show. It does help people find us we got a couple nice reviews this month which i'm very appreciative for you can follow us at the pod and the pendulum over on twitter and you can follow me at mike underscore snoonian on twitter and instagram uh and at mike chump change on letterboxd which i've been very good about keeping up with this year. And Rachel, were you on the socials? I don't think you the it. Oh yeah, us. no
1: I didn't. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Vinyl Girl, G-R-R-R-L or on Instagram at The Vinyl Girl.
0: And with that we're out. We'll be back I believe next week with Hellhouse LLC 3 The Lake of Fire. Great. And we're out. <laughs> that great says it all right there. Just... Oh, is it great? Well, we'll be back next week to discuss. Take care. All right, if you want. Are-